Welcome to Axios Pro Rata, a podcast that takes just 10 minutes to get you smarter on the collision of tech, business, and politics. I'm Dan Primack. On today's show, deja vu for Dell and how Democrats and Republicans see the stock markets differently. But first, the fight over Amazon HQ2. So Amazon made it official yesterday, announcing that its giant HQ2 project will actually be split between the Long Island City neighborhood of Queens in New York City and Arlington, Virginia, in a place that used to be called Crystal City, but now will be renamed National Landing, apparently. And there'll also be a large operational center in Nashville, Tennessee. So as you'd expect, a bunch of the losing cities are upset about it and trying to figure out where they went wrong. But we're also not seeing a huge course of hallelujah from the winners, including in New York, where I'm broadcasting from today. Some of the worries are at the neighborhood level, with people freaked out about gentrification and higher housing prices. But some of it's broader, wondering why a company like Amazon, which had nearly $3 billion in profits last quarter alone, needed at least $1.8 billion in New York state and local incentives, particularly when Google recently signed a massive real estate deal in the Chelsea neighborhood of Manhattan without asking for or receiving a dime. Now, the argument made by local officials, of course, is that Amazon will ultimately contribute far more than it'll take. And to be fair, even though New York's paying way more per employee than is Virginia, there were richer offers elsewhere, including just down the road in New Jersey and a bit further down the road in Pennsylvania. But this isn't like a sporting event where the winner gets a big ticker tape parade. It's more like a free agent signing with lots of skepticisms for if it's going to pay off or simply increase ticket prices. In 15 seconds, we'll go deeper on this with Alicia Glenn, New York City's deputy mayor for housing and economic development, who was integral to getting the deal done. But first, this. Axios chief technology correspondent Ina Fried shares breaking news and analysis on the most consequential companies and players in tech from the Valley to D.C. Subscribe to Get Smarter Faster at signup.axios.com. And now, back to the Pro Rata Podcast. We're joined now by Alicia Glenn, New York City's Deputy Mayor for Housing and Economic Development. So, Deputy Mayor, since the details were first released yesterday, there's been, as you know, a lot of reaction. And a bunch of that's been critical. I'm curious, do you believe it's a fair representation of how New Yorkers are feeling, that they're kind of at best skeptical about this deal? Well, no, I, I actually think that, you know, most people who are against things are the people who the press cover, right? There isn't a huge amount of reporters running around looking for people to say positive things. And I think that in the history of you know, New York City, it is not uncommon when there are announcements about large development projects for people to get out and express their concerns and sometimes their anger. If you're a mom or if you're a young person who's interested in technology and innovation, this is a real endorsement of New York City becoming, I would argue, the tech and innovation capital of the United States. So you don't have to think about, oh, do I have to move to the Bay Area if I want to have a successful career in tech? This is a real chance for New Yorkers to participate in the 21st century economy. And if you just stood on a corner and talked to 100 people between the age of 15 and 40, people would be really excited. Part of your purview in your job outside of this has been working on affordable housing issues. So can you speak briefly? One of the big concerns, it seems, at least particularly in the neighborhoods of Long Island City, is that they look at what's happened in Seattle. You just talked about the Bay Area, clearly what's happened there, that their homes might soon become unaffordable for them. Part of the problem, I think, is that what's happened in Seattle and the Bay Area has, has made this conversation a little bit upside down here in New York. The Bay Area has had, for years, a really anti-development program and not a very aggressive affordable housing program. And Seattle also admits, I was listening to the radio this morning where they were saying, you know, well, we didn't plan for growth. We didn't think about having a real aggressive affordable housing policy. We don't have permanent affordable housing. We've done exactly the opposite. 
When we were elected, the number one priority for this administration was to put into place an even larger affordable housing plan that had been already in effect in New York City for decades. So we've already laid the foundation for being both a pro-growth city, but one that grows with a proportional increase in affordable housing. So I'm not saying it's perfect and that there are some legitimate concerns about the fact that neighborhoods evolve, that condo prices may go up. But we are building and preserving affordable housing at a pace that far exceeds any impact that one company coming to town could have. And by the way, one of the reasons and maybe the biggest reason why they're coming to New York City is because they want to hire New Yorkers. These people already live here. So I have to ask, if that's the case, if Amazon wanted to come here because of the location, because of the talent pool, et cetera, why offer them anything in terms of incentives? Why not just say, hey, Google's moving into Chelsea. We're not giving them a dime. If you want to be here, come here. We're New York. Well, I think that's always the age old question, right, which is in retrospect, you know, could you have gotten the deal if you gave them anything less? And I don't think that, you know, Monday morning quarterbacking here is particularly effective. I can say the following. New York City has programs in place that are as of right to any company that wants to relocate and bring jobs to the outer boroughs. And that's good policy, right? We don't want to be a hub-and-spoke economy. We came here wanting to be a five-borough economy. And so the incentives that New York City is providing are available to any company who are creating jobs in other areas. And that's a good thing. And by the way, for Long Island City, where people are so worried about the population growing so quickly and not having enough school seats, being able to generate jobs there instead of just housing is really smart mixed-use development. So we feel very good about the fact that we encouraged Amazon to pick that location and avail themselves of the as-of-right incentives. You know, you talk about Monday morning quarterbacking, but there's some who believe this game isn't over yet. Particularly, you're hearing some comments from folks in the city council, some folks in the state legislature upstate. There is a termination option sitting inside this MOU. Is it possible? Is there any chance this deal doesn't happen in the end? Well, I mean, I, I, that is certainly not the expectation. And this is a non-binding MOU, which is an intent of purpose between the parties to negotiate in good faith and lays out the basic basic terms of the deal. I don't think that people would have spent a year and a half and gone through the extent of negotiations with which we all have and kept this, you know, played this game in order to just tear it up. And look, it's New York City. You know, you're not going to please all the people all the time, but this is the right thing for New York City. And I do not foresee anything changing that. The deal formally officially got announced yesterday. Obviously, there, there was news or leaks earlier. From your perspective, when was this thing really basically done and baked in? How, how long ago did you actually have the deal and feel good about it when you went to bed at night? I would say really the very beginning of November. We knew that we were you know, in the top three or four sometime in the past month, but a series of specific issues, which were for us deal breakers, were continued to be negotiated very, very heavily, um, really up until over the weekend. Can you give an example, like what a deal breaker was? Yeah, these are basic things. I mean, we wanted to make sure that when they build this campus that it was built exactly in the kind of mixed-use approach that also made this not be a gated campus, right? So they didn't want to do many of the things that were absolutely critical to us to be building out this community. So it's not just an Amazon campus. It's an integrated part of our city, which will provide benefits for New Yorkers, whether you're working there or not. Just like an absolute deal breaker was you have to participate and engage in how we're going to get more New Yorkers to be qualified to work at this company. And that's not one you know, size fits all solution, but we worked really hard with them to get a commitment to do that kind of work. If we're looking back at this in 10 years, what is one metric that New Yorkers should look at to determine whether or not they got good bang for their buck in the end? 
I would say if more than half of the people who work at Amazon are born and bred New Yorkers, boy, we will have done a great thing for the city. Thank you to Alicia Glenn, Deputy Mayor of New York City for Housing and Economic Development. My final two, right after this. Axios gives you the news and analysis you need to get smarter faster on the most important topics. In our unique Smart Brevity format, we cover topics from politics to science and media to tech. Subscribe to get smarter faster at signup.axios.com. And now, back to the Pro Rata Podcast. Now it's time for my final two. And first up is a Reuters report that Dell Technologies, the giant computer company that Michael Dell originally founded in his Texas dorm room, is working with banks to put more cash into a deal that would return the company to the public markets. So this is a very complicated transaction, including the purchase of a so-called tracking stock. But the bottom line here is that activist investor Carl Icahn has basically said Dell is paying too little and Dell is being forced to capitulate. If that sounds familiar, it's because Icahn also felt Dell was paying too little six years ago when Michael Dell first took his company private. He got concessions then, and it looks like he'll get some now. And finally, Axios and SurveyMonkey recently teamed up for a poll, and one of the questions was if the stock market performed better during the first 20 months or so of Obama's first term or of Trump's first term. Now, 87% of Republicans picked Trump, while Democrats were split 47-47, and independents went slightly for Trump 48-41. So who's right? Well, everyone, kind of. So the Dow has gained far more points under Trump, but gained far more on a percentage basis under Obama. And neither of those gaps is really even close. So yeah, it was kind of a trick question with no correct answer, but it does go to show how even something like stock gains, which are quantifiable with hard numbers, have become politicized. And we're done. Big thanks for listening. And to my producers, Adam Grassi and Tim Shovers, have a great national pickle day. And we'll be back tomorrow with another Pro Rata Podcast.